Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back, everybody, to Badgers Talk with Rohan Chakravarti. Today, we've got a very special guest, the one and only Scary Alvarez. Hashtag Barry is the Don on Twitter. Scary, how you doing, my man? Doing good, and uh, you must be super excited. Probably one of the most exciting moments of your life having the Don jump on your show. So uh, this is this. Oh, is absolutely! Awesome. The honor is mine, and I am glad that you could join me here today. And I, I, you know, we had a little talk backstage, and I mercifully Cindy was here to help me with some technical glitches that I had. She's always there. She's always my plus one. So it's it's good to know to have someone in my corner like that. <laughs> That's funny. The tech is always, you know, something that uh evades us all you know but yeah i'm 76 and i'm approaching middle age here pretty soon so i don't have all the all the uh bells and whistles of of you you crazy kids nowadays so i sometimes have to have a little help with that but it's it's going great one rings so that's all that matters you know you you're yeah you're that guy but We'll start off here with the Badgers because there's a lot to unpack, really. When you talk about the entirety of this offseason, the way that it goes, it's like it's like a story within a story within a story. There are so many different stages that go along with the way that this Wisconsin Badgers offseason has gone. When you talk about the coaching changes, the transfer portal, and then even just the spring and fall camp kind of portions of it. So, you know, there's a lot that goes on with it. Um, but glad to break it all down to you. Let's start off with, you know, go way back to last November, November 28th, Luke Fickle was hired. Explain to me, you know, your, your level of shock, your level, just the, the reaction that goes along with it. And then obviously with the following weeks that ensued with this Badgers coaching staff and transfer portal kind of getting alongside and getting underway. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, that I'm in the know on on many things, but I will say like, I would say probably 99.9% of, of Wisconsin fans uh, that morning when Pete Thamel uh, noted that Luke Fickle was going to be the next football coach at Wisconsin. There, there was a, uh, a moment where everyone's, I would say heart stopped, but it was, it was a very shocking, surprising moment and underscored just how stealthily McIntosh was working behind the scenes to do all these things. Um, my first thought, which is, I'm not sure if, if a lot of fans felt this way or, or ex-coaches felt this way, but was to think of Jim Leonard. So I, I think that most of the Wisconsin fan base, even after the Minnesota loss uh, the day before, had had presumed that Jim was going to take over uh, permanently as head coach and then built his staff from there. And, and I, you know, I've been a longtime huge fan of Jim Leonard. Uh, Jim Leonard, the coach. Jim Leonard, the person he's a genuine article. And so my first thought went to him after that initial excitement kind of wore off was, Oh my God, this means Jim Leonard's not going to be the head coach of the Badgers. And then, you know, that, that dream, that dream process, can he still be the DC and all that stuff? So, so it was, it was mixed emotions, but, but I, I don't want to be disingenuous and say that there wasn't a large part of me that was incredibly excited uh, knowing that Luke fickle with his brand of football success, personality and culture uh, coming to the Badgers wasn't tantalizing because it absolutely was. 
And I believe that the honeymoon period with, with Coach Fick, uh, which is still going on for another uh, two more days here, he's knocked it out of the park. So I'm using a surprising problem. I'm using a baseball analogy, given Wisconsin State of Wisconsin baseball. I get blamed for that sometimes, Ron, and that's not that's not fair. But uh, uh, the way he has brought the staff in, the way he has recruited, the way he is he has not detonated the previous culture, but has layered on his unique additional aspects of his culture onto what was already there. Uh, and what I mean by that is it's still a hard hitting, uh, flexing, weightlifting oriented. Uh, you know, tough guy in the trenches kind of mentality, but he sprinkled in some stuff with the way the offensive system is going to be there, a lot more social media interaction, uh, very kind of modernized things. Things have got a little bit stagnant, frankly, with some of that stuff. And the way he's recruited as well has been very positive. So I, I tell you, I mean, it, you know, you got to get and do it between the hashes, but the offseason Luke Fickle from the higher on forward has been an A-plus in my estimation. I mean, I, I think when you break it down like that, yeah, first of all, when you go back then, you do feel for uh, for for Jim Leonard because it's true. The entire locker room was behind Jim Leonard. I mean, captain and senior safety John Torchio went along to say, "Who if you're an idiot if you don't hire Jim Leonard, you know, as your head coach. Now, especially when it comes to college football, unfortunately, as, as much as it sounds, you know, as much as it sounds unfortunate, you don't in the business portion. You don't factor in your, your your players. You don't because it's just a cycle of players in and out. It's not like you're building a franchise around a specific player like you do in the professional leagues. It's that players are here for four years at the max, and then or depending on uh, you know redshirts and things, and then they leave. And so, I think that if you were to move off a guy like Jim Leonard, if you were to move off you know a heralded head coach and Paul Christ. You had to make sure you went in and went with a home run hire. You couldn't do it with somebody with minimal experience. You couldn't do it with somebody, you know, who you didn't have full confidence that could really reshape a program as esteemed as the Wisconsin Badgers. And that's where, you know, McIntosh did well. I think he he did make a solid selection, at least in the early returns that we're seeing in, in Luke Fickle. And there's a lot that goes into it. You pointed out the stealth, obviously, and the way that they um, went about it. Um, it was known a little bit behind closed doors that he had a meeting with Luke Fickle, but the conversations, the ongoing conversations that were happening, of course, um, over through through the end of the year and into when Luke Fickle was hired, those were all completely quiet. You didn't even hear a report about any of that stuff. And then, obviously, the news breaks. But going on to what Fickle has done so far, modernizing this team was it was necessary because the Badgers already, unfortunately, given their location, are at a disadvantage when it comes to recruiting. They need every single um, they need every single kind of grasp that helps them on that recruiting front and social media. The way that you know you put that program out there to belong with the Blue Bloods and things like that. That's the way. And I mean, it's not like Wisconsin isn't, but you've got to make sure that you're using every everything in your power to kind of go along and you know, go along and help you on that recruiting front and really help your brand overall. Fickle has done that, but he's also shown results on the recruiting front in landing some key guys, right? It's like the Badgers are already at a top 25 class. We'll see if that stands, but they've had a strong class in Fickle's, Fickle's first true class in 24, and then hopefully that carries over to 25. But 
there's a lot of buzz around this, uh, you know, around this team. And that's where I kind of want to ask you, is the hype justified? Yeah, I think it is. I think it's, I think it's absolutely justified, but the caveat is this. And I mentioned this in the, in the intro until you step on that field, you just don't know. You can have a very strong suspicion that it's going to be highly successful. And, and I am in that camp. I think fickle is going to do a great job here. He has surrounded himself with incredible staff. He's built the culture. He has a track record. Yeah, he's getting the recruits. The buy-in is there from the players. All those things that you want to see on the Thursday before the first game, I think he's. Th those are all five out of fives. He's done it. Got to do it in, in between the hash marks. So, I, I, you know, getting back to the, the initial thought about how the season's going to go, I'm optimistic. I think this is going to be a good Badger team. I think he's put a lot of talent on the field. I think he's addressed some of the areas that that had backslid a little bit last year. But this is a little bit like you put stuff in a box, you shake it up, and you pour it out, and you, and you don't know exactly how it's gonna how it's gonna look initially. And I think there may be here and there a couple of a couple of growing pains with this team, with the new offense, completely new offense, completely new roles for offensive linemen, things like that. But, but ultimately, I do think it's going to work. And at the end of the day, if anyone thinks this is going to be a five wide out, throw the ball 45 times a game team, they are in for a, an incredibly rude awakening because uh, this, this team, Phil Longo, as the offensive coordinator, is going to take what the defense gives him. And if that means rushing for 250 yards in the game when it's cold in November, that's what's going to happen. It's not going to be – I think there's going to be – there will be games – when Tanner Mordecai has 350 yards passing, I, that is going to happen. I believe that. But it is good. the air raid at, at Wisconsin is going to be more, let's create some additional running lanes now that the back of the boxes aren't stacked, that sort of thing, and just kind of see how the game flows and what what, what the defense gives us. Um, you know, look, you're going to be playing games like, for example, at Minnesota in the cold of November. It's probably going to be cold in the 30s. It, that's not going to be a throw it 40 times game. I don't care what, right. you know, I don't care if Minnesota is playing a three man box, that's not going to be a 40. So I think that this team is going to be, is going to rise or fall with how successfully they take what the defense gives them in their games. And I am, I'm confident that this team is going to move the ball offensively. Some games will be better than others, but I'll tell you this and in 2024, 2025, 2026, once this system has had the ability to take root and get all the guys that, that he wants and all the positions he wants, and this is not a knock on Tanner Mordecai. I think he's going to be a great quarterback. But once the system, the guys we developed in the system, you know, emerge into those positions, I think it's going to be an even more dangerous team. I think this might be, in some ways, the worst Wisconsin team of the next three or four years. And I don't mean that as a, as, as a cut at all. It's going to be a great team. So, certainly better than last year by a wide margin. And, but I do think it's going to be better. Now, Ron, you picked ahead the schedules that I've picked ahead at 2024 Wisconsin schedule. It 25 it is an absolute bloodbath compared to the right. 2023 schedule. There are plenty of trap games this year. You got Ohio state at home too. And you're on the road at Purdue in a night game, Washington state's going to be tricky at night up there in the big 10 hate fest game. But the, you know, Alabama, Penn state, Michigan, at Iowa, the, I, the 2024 schedule might be the hardest Wisconsin schedule that I can remember. So uh, Fickle, Longo, et al., and Trestle are going to have to elevate what they're going to need this year to do well in order to do well in 24 and beyond. It's going to be fun to watch, but I think it's going to be the talent and and uh, 
and otherwise on this team is only going to grow. No, I think that that's a, that's a good point. I mean, you point out the air raid system. I think there are a lot of misconceptions with what the air raid system is and what Luke, Luke or not Luke, but Phil Longo's air raid system is. The air raid system obviously comes from Mike Leach and Mike Leach is a drop back 65 times, you know, fully, fully uh, going in, fully buying into that throwing a lot, right? That That's what Mike Leach did. But Luke, or Phil Longo's offense is a lot different. It's not a lot different. It's got similar principles, but it mixes in that RPO work, similar to how um, Ryan Day over at Ohio State mixes in a lot of RPO principles into his offense, mixes in a lot of RPO work, getting the ball out quick while also incorporating the run game. Um, a friend of mine, I mean, he told me an intriguing stat about – Phil Longo. He's had, I think, nine 1,000 yard rushers in his 11 in his last 11 seasons as a coordinator. And it's not like the the second rusher on the team has been far off. There have been years where Phil Longo has really, really gone um, heavy on the ground. I mean, you look back at 2020, I believe um, they had a two headed horse at UNC with Michael Carter and Javante Williams splitting carries equally around 157 each. I think it was 156 to 157. And I think especially with the Badgers now having a two headed horse at running back, similar to those days where um, Longo had Javante Williams and Michael Carter, you're going to see an even split, in my opinion, at the running back position, but also a heavy workload. And I think that, you know, it'll be at least, you know, somewhere in the mix of at least 10 to 15 carries a game with some having the propensity for more. I do think there'll be more running, though, than there has been in the past in these Longo offenses. But it's well noted that it's not just a completely, you know, it's not just a throw every uh, every down downfield kind of offense. Instead, it mixes in a lot more of these RPO principles as well. And that's where you hear this word called tempo. Fickle is preached tempo, 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 because this offense isn't trying to hit you downfield shots every single time. No, it's trying to get the ball out quick and then move forward and play fast. That's the way that it is. And it requires things like timing. A lot, a lot of it will be timing given these short routes and given the need to go from read one to read two and a half field read in that RPO system. And so it's, it's, you know, there's a lot of these sprinkles in there that make it different from your regular air rate system. Yeah, you raised some good points there, and and one of them, and I guess we're talking to the fan base right now. By the way, I just noticed I'm I'm on I'm on the 49ers field right here. Yikes! Okay, that's fine. We can we can we can Photoshop that out and put it in Lambo or something. But um, our Camp Randall actually works better. But um, you're a Niners guy. I, I knew that. And I still came on. That shows what a loving God I am. <laughs> it's oh no no come on man. Okay, it's fine. It's fine. It's 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 I'm I'm over the you're years. on enemy territory today, so we're keeping uh, it on. I'm over the initial shock. Um, and you're, you're, you're sticking with me here a, a lot longer than the, the Niners stick with their draft pick quarterback, but, uh, too soon the Cowboys are like, okay, sure. Sounds good. We, we can get into that later. Yeah. You're, 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 you look like you want to say something, but anyway, <clears throat> getting back to the, to the initial point is, yeah, I, I think that the offense will, again, like I said, it'll take what the defense gives them, but yeah, anyone who thinks this is going to be a, a Mike Leach, rest in peace, style air raid offense, I know with Big Ten fan bases are like, you know, it's such a sexy topic, right? So writers who don't maybe don't know the inside of the locker room here are like, Wisconsin's going to be throwing the ball over the place. How could that work? It's it ain't, it's not going to be like that. It's, it's going to be just, I think, probably a much more 
modern offense with a fairly even run pass split is what I'm expecting. And then one could be higher than the other one based on game plan, uh, trajectory, things like that. But give it some time. If you think that Wisconsin is going to come in and put up put up 83 points on, on Buffalo, it, it, it's not going to be like that. It just isn't. I mean, it's going to take a little time for it to click. I, I, I think they'll have some success. I expect a comfortable win. But that's a that's a that's a bold caliber Mac team, and I think it's going to be a, a nice little bit of a challenge. But what I don't expect is, like we had so many times in the last couple of years, a six to three, seven to three, ten to seven halftime score. Kind of, it's not going to be like that either. So I, I'll, I'll say, you know, 38-13, kind of win week one, and then we'll talk uh, about Washington State. Uh, which I think is a bit of a daunting task, which we will get through a little bit later. Yeah, I mean that week two matchup—that's maybe you know where you start to to sprinkle, uh, you know, a little bit of that difficulty in. But if we're looking specifically at week one for the moment, you talk about Buffalo, right? And well, first of all, I want to say twenty-seven and a half points is quite yeah. a lot. It's quite a lot for that spread at the moment. But um, the Wisconsin Badgers, that offense, I think that this the first three games, really, these non-conference games, specifically games one and three, I'm looking to see a little more, not only from the starters, but some of those some of those guys that you know won't necessarily get as much playing time down the line. I'm talking about, you know, the the Jonas DeClonas, who, who who's in the two deep, a true freshman. Want to see how he, you know, holds up against competition, against collegiate competition, given his size at 5'10", 190 pounds. You want to see how that holds up if you play him on the outside as that um, off-man guy or if you play him in the nickel. And, you know, there there's some other guys, like some of the wide receivers uh, near the middle of the depth chart, that kind of thing. But more importantly, you do want to see how are these guys gelling, right? Because, like I said, this is a timing. If you're talking offense, this is a timing offense. How well-connected is Mordecai with his new targets? Because it's not only like Mordecai's new. Will Pauling is new. Um, CJ Williams is new. Bryson Green is new. And those are three of your top four receivers this year. I anticipate Pauling is going to be your lead, uh, your <clears throat> leading receiver in terms of yards, catches, and whatnot. But you've got four really options that are going to be featured heavily in this rotation. Tamari DK obviously being the other one. How well is Mordecai connected in, in terms of timing with some of these plays, and how well you know how how is that connection bro brewed so far compared to in the spring? when we saw Mordecai last, at least when the public saw Mordecai last. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you, you, you're you talking about the elephant in the room, which is the spring game. Uh, and and, and uh, I think it's, it's fair to say that offensively that was a little bit suboptimal. But I, I do think that was a one-off, kind of a weird, hot, windy day when it was, you know, I would say early in camp. It was late in camp. But uh, I don't think that's that's, from what I understood, from the other practices that was by a wide margin, the worst practice session Wisconsin had had the entire spring, including the first. So and that was, that was, that was, a, that was an outlier, but yeah, I, I think the, how, how uh, Mordecai connects with his, his receivers, it's, it's, it's a two, it's a two, it's, it's kind of two sides to it. One, having the unique option of having so many good players in that room is such a huge advantage that past quarterbacks, Mertz never had that, ever had that, that advantage. He had some good receivers, but he never had a room that looked like this. In fact, I, I'm trying to think of Wisconsin, a deeper, more talented in total Wisconsin receiver room than this one. 
going all the way back through when I was coaching, and I cannot think of one. I'm not saying there, there weren't standouts that are better than some of the guys here. I'm talking about the, the overall room. But your point to sometimes, you know, too many toys in the chest, I don't know. Maybe maybe that has meant that there hasn't been as much timing. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm not sure about that. But frankly, of the two, I'll, I'll take having the talent in that room and just kind of see where it goes. But I think Mordecai is going to have, and you you already said that you think it's going to be Paulding. I think Paulding is a great talent and is going to be a, a, a great uh, slot guy. But I think there are five or six guys on any given day that could leave Wisconsin in yards and, and receptions. That's fair. Any yeah. given day. Uh, you know, Lewis hasn't been a high-volume guy, but that's the kind of guy that you might get a 70-yard touchdown from and not think twice about it. He's that kind of guy. C.J. Williams, the upside, the pedigree. He's there. There's a reason he's the number two receiver. It's not just because he transferred. He, he is he is showed out. Skylar Bell, we all know what he can do. Will Paulding, Bryson Green, Chimri Dika. I mean, I, I, it's an embarrassment of riches. It really, truly is. And then you're not even talking about Braylon Allen, uh, you know, as the as the potential All Big Ten tailback of the year, and 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 Malusi as well. So, if this offense can stay healthy. Get some some decent play out of guys like Hayden Rucci, my Wisconsin uh, Badger grandson. Um, long story, Jake left. Hayden's a great guy, but but you you have a lot of talent in that room. Uh, and then let's see if the line gels. That's that's a big. I talked about that earlier. If the line gels, uh, missing its starting center, uh, I, it's going to be really interesting. But Bordellini is going to be fine. He has a lot of experience. He, he's late in camp. He, he was doing just fine. There were some issues early in camp with getting the snaps and stuff, but I, I think it's going to be all right. But uh, very excited, Rowan. Very excited. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, you talk about the offense. You talk about that offensive line gelling. That was an issue last year. There was too much rotation. And, frankly, I think they didn't have a great plan going into it. Every single week we, had, we talked with Bobby Engram on Tuesday, and I'd ask him, what is your plan with the offensive line? And, you know, is there going to be rotation, things like that? It's like they were a little uncertain at the beginning of the week. You come to Saturday, you see a new front out there. And it the, like people don't understand the continuity, especially at this level where you don't necessarily have as much experience as you do when you go to the NFL. It, it's important to, to, to be alongside the same guys every single week. It's not only about just who your one-on-one -on -one assignment is in pass blocking. It's how do you pick up stunts because a lot of defensive coordinators like to do, uh, throw that there. How do you pick up blitzes? How can you trust that you can pass off one of your defenders to the guy on your left or the guy on your right so that you can go ahead and pick up a, you know, a rushing defender. It's different, different uh, nuances that you talk about the offensive line. Um, and I think that it's important to have continuity. And that's why one of the bigger questions for me is Jake Renfro. It seems like he's going to be out about four to six weeks. Where does his role kind of come in after that? Luke Fickle hinted at it um, a, a couple of weeks ago saying how, it might be in Renfro's best interest to sit out the year, just get fully healthy, and then kick it back in 2024. But he is your best center. He, uh, I think that he personally is just because he's got the snapping down. He's got – and it also allows Tanner Bordellini to go to his most comfortable position of guard. And so you, you do have different questions there. But I'm more confident for sure in this uh, offensive line than I was last year. Because I think Joe Huber's a solid player. He played at tackle. He's going to start at left guard. You also have Bordellini, who arguably is your best offensive lineman there at center. 
Jack Nelson's another guy who returns. Furtney, he's solid. And then Riley Mallman comes back after the injury last year. Yeah, I mean, it's it's two things we're talking about here. One is how it will gel with the new system, and that's a legitimate concern, certainly with Renfro's injury. And by the way, I'm not I want to handicap injuries. That's a little bit ghoulish. But but if it ultimately comes down to him taking a medical red shirt, that might end up making the most sense. I'm not not so much worried about that from a from a continuity standpoint, but just for whatever's best for the kid. I'm I'm certain that's what that's what Fick will 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 do. But you know, you look up and you see Jack Nelson and and Raleigh Mallman, just a couple of maulers out there at, at tackle, and it's very enticing. The, the the talent level on this offensive line, the pedigree is very, very, very high. These are a lot of big-time recruits here, some good athletes, some absolute maulers. And you look at the two-teep, and you see guys like Nolan Rucci, five-star, and just another great kid who's who's really just biding his time right now before he starts, and Bruner, Benchwall, Wedig. I mean, these are these are guys who would be starting at other schools, including Big Ten schools, and they're, they're sitting behind guys. So – I don't want to bellyache about the offensive line. Again, I think it may still be a work in progress as far as the chemistry and and all that. But I do think this this line has potential to be certainly the best line since 2019. No, I think so, too. I think this has got some solid potential. And again, it's up to injury, right? Injury is the one thing you can't account for. And that's the, the true thing that derailed last year's offensive unit. But You've got good depth. You've got good starters, and it seems like they're confident. You know, long uh, not long ago, but Jack McNell wanted to roll with about eight guys. You know, in his uh, in his offensive line rotation, you've already got five. If Renfro comes back, that's six. Um, and then you know you've you've got some solid depth there to where you could you could pick and choose on who you really want out there. Let's move though to a position where there isn't as much depth, but there is a little intrigue with a certain player. That's tight end, right? You, you, Clay Cundiff, Jack Eschenbach, they're off. Uh, they're not off the roster um, due to their own personal reasons. You also have some injuries in the group that leads Hayden Rucci to be your starting tight end, and that leaves Tucker Ashcraft, a freshman, to be your number two tight end. What do you think about the tight end room this year? I think it's in good hands. I mean, look, if you're looking for five-star NFL caliber. Uh, receiving first round draft pick tight, tight, tight ends. That's, that's not what we're going to find here, but it's a nice, I think it's a nice compliment. Obviously the, the, the injuries and the attrition, and, and by the way, some, some great kids leaving the program. Uh, very sad to, to, to see that, but I wish, wish, wish those guys all the best, obviously. Um, but Rucci is a, a smart, heady, physical player with actually a better receiving skills than people think he has. I don't know if you remember the bowl game. That was not, that was not a, that was not a fluke. That's what he can give you. Um, and uh, so he'll be fine, even in the context of not running it 40 times a game. He's going to fit in, in that offense. Um, Ashcraft, if you just talk about what the coaches have thought about him in, in camp, there's a lot to like there. And uh, so we'll see how that goes. And then, you know, there's some other guys down the line. So, yeah, the depth is the only thing that concerns me. If, if those if those kids stay healthy like we hope they will, the tight, tight end room is going to be absolutely fine going forward. When you talk about the tight ends, Phil Longo's offense hasn't always featured tight ends, but that's because they weren't necessarily there in great capacity at UNC. You had a couple more blocking guys. Garrett Walson was there, um, players like that. But last year, when you look at the UNC offense, they had a lot of rotation there in that in that kind of room at their receiving options, and they had three tight ends who got at least 15 catches 
Uh, Brian Bryson Nesbitt, I think, had 35. Kamari Morales had 29. And then um, their third guy, I think it was John Copenhaver, had 15. You have some rotation there. And I think this year at tight end, it the opportunity is open. I like what I've seen uh, or I've liked what I've heard from uh, about Tucker Ashcraft so far. I'm going to wait for my own reservations. I haven't watched fall camps personally, so I can't necessarily say exactly what I've seen. But I've heard coaches, they like him. He's going to play a lot this year. He's probably the one true freshman that's got a clear role into playing a good amount in 2022 or sorry, 2023. But Rucci, like you said, don't, don't, don't sleep on his receiving ability. He's known as a blocker. He's faced his injury issues. He's known, you know, he's, he's a strong mauler pretty much uh, as a blocker, but he's involved. He, he's, he's evolved a little bit as a receiver, nothing necessarily amazingly special, but he's evolved to where he can be a capable guy as a receiver. And as a route runner, you know, you might see him in that intermediate kind of portion, but also tight ends in this offense and a quick hitter offense might just be check downs and things like that. So you, all you want is capable hands that can, you know, turn up field and get a few yards. That's kind of what you're looking for. Yeah, Richard will be fine, and he's got it between the ears, too. He's a smart kid. He's going to know the playbook. Uh, he's going to know the right thing to, to do in a given situation. So I'm, you know, despite my my own personal affinity for the, for the lad, uh, I, I just feel like in the, in the um, offenses that he has, has been in so far and having to switch the systems, although it's the same system, basically, he wasn't featured the way I think he could have been in, in, in an offense that could have really featured a tight end. And I always thought that was kind of a missed opportunity, but, but he'll get his and he'll be, he'll be responsible for a lot of uh, big plays, whether the ball's in his hands or not. Right. Uh, but it's good. I know it's going to be refreshing for him not to have to mall block every single, every single snap 35 or 40 times a game. I'm sure he, he can, he can lay the hurt down when he needs to, but, but he'll be, he'll be fine. And I think he's going to get, he's going to surprise some people this year. And if you, you know, have more of a dual role, dual threat role rather than a pure blocking role, that also decreases the um, the opportunity for injury. You know, I mean, obviously you can get injured in any capacity in this game, but having to go out there, hit somebody 35, 40 times a game, like you said, that, that takes a toll on a body. And so um, that could be an opportunity for Rucci. But let's move over to the defense, the other portion of the, you know, the other portion of the field, the one that hasn't necessarily seen as much hype, but I think that, there is still a good amount to talk about. Let's start, though, with the guys up front. Defensive line, what are you thinking about that unit heading into 2023? Yeah, the, I think the D-line, more, more so than the offensive line, has a little bit of mystery about it. And you know, some of it is health-related. It looks like Varner is going to be coming back. But, you know, you'll, you'll lose an NFL guy who's going to get meaningful playing time for the Steelers. Uh, that's a big role to fill. On, on you know Keanu Benton. I mean that's a that's a big role to fill. So you know you've heard all about they're going to do it by committee and they're going to rotate a bunch of guys in there. I don't think that's coach speak. I think that's legitimately what is going to happen. But that what that doesn't mean is that a person a player can't step up and take that big jump. That could always happen. So you could have a, a guy like James Thompson Jr. take that take that leap. Varner might be. A, a 10, 12 sack guy once things get going. Um, you just don't know. Uh, so I'm, you know, again, if they can stay healthy and and all that basic stuff, I, I think this defensive line has the potential to be uh, better than people think it's going to be. And maybe if things uh, fall right, could be a real strength of the team, which I think no one thinks right now. 
um, because you don't have a bunch of NFL caliber guys on it. But uh, I'm I'm very pleased with the depth, and I think these these guys will will do fine. When you talk about the defensive line this year, I mean there are a lot of you know a lot of shiny kind of positions. Defensive line isn't necessarily always one of them for the Wisconsin Badgers. Keanu Benton obviously has kind of helped, you know, helped accelerate that by being a second round pick and being the talent that he was had him as a, a, you know, a top 32 player in this past class when doing my draft evaluations, good player, but overall this defensive line, it's a room where you, you do truly have to wait and see because you've got returners, Rodas Johnson, um, James Thompson's in there, Isaiah Mullins, although he's injured right now, you've got returners in the room. However, you 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 don't have necessarily that one star. That's the that's that's kind of the group uh, the guy that's missing. And this is a position the Badgers also haven't you know recruited that well. At least uh, in the last you know that that's something that they're still looking for in the 2024 class. Some more recruitment there, and then obviously hoping to figure that out in the 2025 class. But I think the true fact, X factor in this group is Darian Varner because when you talk about a guy who has seen seven and a half sacks over there at Temple, 12 and a half tackles for lost in that season and um, was a first-team All-AAC guy, coming back from injury, you might ease him in early on, and I he might also only just be a pass uh, pass rushing specialist and allow some of these other guys you know, to take over in the early downs, but you need somebody to kind of fill the void of that pass rusher don't know who exactly is going to fill that void, but the best guess for me is Darian Varner. And so if he can return to his old form post-injury, that's a good sign for the Badgers and a great transfer, an underrated guy, because that's a guy who he's got some moves and he he's he's able to work it. And it's not even as an outside linebacker. This is that as a pure defensive end. Yep. So, yep. yeah, I mean, that's the guy who I think is the X factor in this room. I, I think that's a good one. And again, his health is going to be a, a, a factor, but, but you don't, I look at the depth chart. There, there are a lot of dudes who can get to the quarterback. I mean, even even like Piakowski or Gats. I mean, these are guys who who have the ability have shown in the past that they can sack the quarterback. So I don't look at this and say, you know, and I understand we're talking about outside linebackers now, but you know, yes, there's no JJ Watt on this defensive line. We understand that, and I think you raise a point that uh, I, Fickle, one of the the huge priorities, not only now but in the future to get into that same class as Ohio state, Michigan, Penn state, as far as some of the recruiting and on the field is going to be getting those stud defensive linemen recruits. It's just, it's a, it's a thing. I know we're, we were in the mix for a couple of them, but I know that's going to be a huge priority going forward, but the hand we're dealt this year is we don't have those kind of guys. We don't have the blue chip, the blue chip dudes, but we have dudes who could play like blue chip dudes do later on. So I mean, let's just, let's just see what happens. I think, I think we'll get to the quarterback and losing Herbig. I mean, that is, you know, you can't, and obviously that's another one that no one is shocked who was a Wisconsin Badger fan, that he is going to be a very good player for the Steelers. Uh, but, you know, losing, losing Herbig means they have to just re- recreate that production from other, other places, as I said. So, uh, you know, Turner, Gats, Piakowski, we're, we're going to find a way to do it, but it's not going to be the classic thing where we have an all league sack guy it's just not going to happen this year but we do have a bunch of dudes who can do it so yeah let's let's, let's wait and see i think this defense is is gonna is gonna surprise people i think they're gonna be on the field um maybe a little bit a little bit more and earlier in between drives than, than in past years so we'll see how that goes and they're probably gonna get more points than in past years but i do think they're gonna be playmakers we're gonna we're gonna find at the end when you do a retrospective on the 2023 season they're gonna be guys where 
how did we not know that guy was going to come in and be a stud? There's going to be a couple of guys like that on this defense. I'm, I'm banking. No, and I mean, that's, that's you know, when you talk about a defense like this where some guys have now gone, you've got a, uh, an exodus of new players and some guys who could rise, you know, that's that's very true. You look across the board, defensive line, I mean, with Benson gone and Herbert gone, there's an opportunity to, to be had there. And I think really another uh, another portion of it is Mike Trussell, right? Mike Trussell, this new scheme. Um, one player that has specifically talked about the scheme kind of being a little more helpful towards him is Ricardo Holman. In the spring, when I talked to Ricardo Holman, he said how a little bit of his development this offseason has just been a little more comfortable in his role in this scheme as that off-boundary guy, while uh, Alexander Smith plays that press man kind of role. And that that's allowed him to become more instinctual, you know, a little better at the at the point of catch. So I, I think that there, there are different players that could benefit from the scheme and, you know, be poised for a breakout season. And you, you could definitely see that. And so while this group might not necessarily stand out on paper as much as previous groups have for the Badgers, I don't think there's going to be a significant drop-off defensively, especially when you consider, you know, some players are only getting better. You look at that linebacker room where you've got three starting caliber guys who the Badgers really trust as, you know, top linebackers at, at this level. And then we can talk about the secondary as well. But let's start at linebacker. Muma returns. You got Jordan Turner there as well, um, who seems to be all cleared from his off-the-field issues this past offseason. And then Jake Cheney is there as well. Three guys. What do you think about that room there? It's a, it's a good room. I get, again, I mean, uh, you know, there may, may not be someone that jumps off as a as a you know, I'll be 10 first team guy, but you have a tremendous amount of talent and upside in that group. Um, so I'm excited to see what they, what they can do. I mean, I, you know, I mentioned a couple of the outside linebacker guys, but the, the inside guys, I mean, I, one of the big concerns was, can you stop the run this year? Can you stop the run? And part of that is obviously linked to the D line, but uh, I, I feel very confident in this defense and it's going to, it's going to be some looks that look similar. There's going to be some looks that look new given some of the, the configurations, but, but Trussell knows what he's doing. I mean, this is not losing Jim Leonard. That is a, for some programs that would be a death knell for their defense. I don't feel that way about this particular defense. I think his defense can be fine. I think they're going to give up more points for the reasons I said earlier, because they're going to be on the field more frequently and there's going to be higher scoring games. But I do think they're good. This is going to be a solid defense uh, with potential for much, much more. And uh, those, that linebacker group has huge upside and it wouldn't, it wouldn't, Stun me if there was a all big ten, all big ten second team or first team guy that emerges from that group, just based on production. And I, I think that that's true as well. You, you look at it. Muma was an all, I believe, an all big ten third team by the media last year, and you've got returners right in this room. The main thing uh, now with this group is how do they kind of fare. Well, well, there's two things. One, can they clean up some of the missed tackles? And two, how do they fare in coverage? Because the one thing that Mike Trussell is going to allow these linebackers to do and build off what they did with Jim Leonard is blitz. Mike Mike Trussell likes blitzing different different linebackers from different uh, alignments, uh, shooting them out of different gaps. You know that's something that I saw at least sprinkled in in the in the spring. I think that blitzing is going to be a good portion of what this defense is, and that's going to help you know alleviate some of the pressure off the defensive line. That's going to allow some of these guys, you know, to be in a in a different mode where they're a little more comfortable. Um, Jordan Turner, Muma, even Jake Cheney. And so I think the biggest question is 
how well do they hold up in coverage in zones? That's kind of the main thing because sometimes, you know, last year when the pass defense or was getting diced up a little bit, it was, it, you know, quarterbacks fitting balls in into these zones or players, you know, overstretching their uh, overstretching uh, their roles and then kind of putting themselves in bad positions so that some of the middle of the field stuff was open. But the defense has usually been pretty solid, and I think, you know, they're in an opportunity to do uh, similar things this year with their linebacker room. Look, here, here's what it's going to – I mean, it's more nuanced than this, but I'll, I'll do this as a high level. If this Wisconsin defense can effectively get to the quarterback, this could be one of the best defenses in the Big Ten. If this Wisconsin defense struggles with getting to the quarterback, it's going to be tricky. We'll see what happens. It's going to, it's going to require a little more moxie and a little more in-game adjustment and things like that. But that that's really the binary for me. I mean, if they can, if they can put pressure and heat on those, they're going to have some good QBs they play against this year. Um, start starting, you know, honestly, you got second year starter coming up from Buffalo. You got, you have a, a good solid offense up in, up in Pullman, Washington, you know, early on in the season, you got Purdue will always be good as far as how they get it out there. It's going to be some early season tests. You may not have your big marquee games immediately, but you're, this, this defense is going to be tested. We're going to know a lot about this team by week three, after week three. We're going to know a lot and whether this defense can, can get to the quarterback. Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm bullish. We'll see what happens. I think I think they can. I think that Trussell's a, a bright guy, and he's he's learned – I think he's learned things from from his, his predecessor, Jim Leonard. And I think he's brought things that Leonard didn't have. So I think it's going to be fine. We just got to keep this team healthy and get to the quarterback. I agree. Let's talk about corners, um, a room that has seen, you know, in, in it was a room where you saw a lot of transfers and then a lot of different players come in at some stage in the offseason. Talking about the transfers, Samar Melvin left, a former four-star corner. He left to Michigan State, but then you had the trio of corners essentially kind of being asked to leave. It wasn't like a, in a way because the talent room wasn't necessarily what the Badgers wanted. Al Ashford, Avion Jones, and then as well as – I always forget the third uh, the third name off the top of my mind, but um, there were three corners that departed in the spring. The Badgers then bring in, you know, true freshman Jonas DeCloner, Jace Arnold. You had a strong group of corners in the in the class. You know, AJ Tisdale was there, Justin Taylor, although he might play safety, and then Amari Snowden, right the uh, yeah. the six three corner. You then bring in Nizer Forkeron as well as Michael Mack. Although Mack did post earlier today. He will not play in 2023. He the waiver was denied, but you still have him. Let me let me stop you here, Rowan. And I go I just, for it. I just saw that that saw that news too. And this is, uh, I will editorialize a little bit about the NCAA. How ridiculous something like not allowing Mac to play is when a guy can have a three hundred thousand dollar car given to him to his first day on campus. It's such a weird, nonsensical way they go about things. And this uh, is just the latest chapter in, and I don't, I don't want to say, oh, poor Wisconsin Badgers. It seems like we've gotten it worse. You know, at a basketball guy a couple of years ago, they made sit out for no effing reason, really, till the second semester, which was preposterous. Uh, but here we go again, you know, and I, I think that the staff had a plan B, but they are they are surprised that the NCAA didn't grant this waiver, given the Wild West atmosphere of so much of these things, that some teams have millions of dollars in payroll, basically, for NIL stuff. And this kid who just wants to continue his education in football at a different school, this this 
by all accounts, good kid that's, that was with the Air Force Academy. So you know he's he brings it in the, in the classroom as well and has the character can't can't play for the team he wants to because it was a little 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 teeny technicalities here and there. It's just again a scathing indictment of, of the state of the NCAA in 2023. It just it's it's garbage. It's it's BS. And uh, you know he'll be fine next year. And I, I think the, the second year will be fine. But boy oh boy, uh, we could have used him in that room. Yeah, I mean this is one where the Badgers are really hoping you know they don't face many issues depth-wise at cornerback because well now the the goal the goal of this entire offseason was to get four guys who you trust where the two if they got injured the two starters you then have two backups but more importantly this group is going to rotate in but now you kind of only have three mac was going to be the bridge you wanted some bridge between you know your starters and your true freshmen so you'd allow the true freshmen to develop potentially be able to redshirt and then, you know, kind of kick it off in 2020, uh, 2024 when they have a year of seasoning under their belt. However, Mac not playing now means that Jonas Duclona enters the two deep and he's going to be your fourth string corner or your fourth cornerback, you know, uh, behind the behind four Quran, behind uh, Alexander Smith and Ricardo Hallman. And the way I look at it right now. I think Nizir Forkron is a guy you have to watch in this room, and it's a guy who the staff is high on. I do believe he's going to end up being in a part of the rotation. I think they'll play three cornerbacks exclusively in a rotation with, on the outside with Smith, Hallman, and Forkron because Forkron provides you good size. He's 6'1". He's got good length. You know, and that's something that's important for that press man role. The other portion, uh, you know, the other guy, Michael Mack, was also 6'1". Some guys who provide you better length as opposed to the 5'11 and 5'9 uh, that Ricardo Holman and Alexander Smith are. But regardless, the Badgers have to move forward here and really hoping you don't get injuries in this room. Otherwise, you might have to play players a little earlier than you'd want to, ideally. Yeah, agreed. But, you know... 2023's loss is 2024's gain. That's, that's, I guess that's the philosophical way you got to look at it. So having a Mac with more eligibility next year, it, it'll be fine. And again, I, I alluded to this earlier that the schedule uh, gets significantly harder, and not just because Alabama is is added to that of the home and home. So I think we'll be all right. But but again, I mean, you hate to see, you hate to say you want to rely on health to make things work, but you know the the depth probably could be better. That's that's fair to say. But I know Fickle and the staff are trying. Whoa, whoa, okay. Fickle and his, his staff have definitely tried to address that. Yeah, no, I agree. Apologize for that. Something just dropped, but we are good. Um, but, I mean, again, right? like you said, when you talk about Mac, the unfortunate reality, he he didn't, like, he couldn't take a visit this, this summer um, because he was at the Air Force, couldn't take a visit. So he really made a gut decision, transferred to Wisconsin, and then now having to face the issues he's facing now. You do get, you know, you do get – that one year. Um, but it's unfortunate the way that the rules are, uh, that you need that waiver. Um, the good thing he is, he is red shirting this year now. So you'll have that extra year of eligibility, but it is unfortunate. It, it, it is. Well, it's just, it's, it's the base hypocrisy. You know, you're, you can basically let, and don't get me wrong. I'm not an NIL opponent by any stretch. I think these kids should be paid. Right. I've, I've long said that, uh, at least the, 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 the scary Alvarez has long said that, but um, you know, just the the hypocrisy of allowing kids to roll around in two hundred thousand dollar cars that they're doing an endorsement for the thing, for the for the for the you know 
Ferrari dealership, but a kid didn't get a waiver in until five days late or something. So you're going to penalty this kid who's certain, you know, been on course to serve his country with the Air Force. It's just, it just doesn't make sense. And I think it's the NCAA trying to hold on to these little parts that they can still exercise their authority on to make themselves feel good and feel relevant. And it's, it's absolute trash. And frankly, I'd be happy with a, a different organization having the NCAA be detonated and starting anew with conferences running themselves and stuff because they don't really do anything except for make money. Uh, the basketball stuff is cool. That's another, we could talk about that another day, but they're, they're, they're using the kids there too. They're using the kids there too. And they're, you know, the unfair, unfair decisions uh, all across the board. But anyway, I can, I can get on my soapbox there as, as uh, impressive as that soapbox may be, but yeah, tough break for Mac, but we'll, he'll have a good year next year. I agree. Let's move on to our last room of the day. The safeties, one of the deeper rooms, you know, the Badgers don't really, didn't really bring in too many players via the transfer portal. Didn't lose too many players apart from John Torchio at this position either. So it's going to be a similar room and you get some players back from injury. Travion Blaylock, Hunter Wolder. What are you thinking about this room this year? Oh, Hunter Waller, I'm not sure if you if you watch. I mean, the, the one of the tens of thousands who love the Scary Alvarez podcast, which of course is the now the gold standard in Wisconsin sports podcasts. But I had uh, Hunter on uh, earlier this summer and had a chance to get to know him a little bit better. And 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 he is not just because he went on the podcast, but he's my pick for the the breakout player of the defense. I, I think he is going to have uh, an incredible year. Just needs to stay healthy. That's always my caveat. But he just such a hardworking, instinctual, and also physically talented player. Um, so I, I look for a big year from, from, uh, from Hunter. Yeah. I mean, I got to speak to Hunter Wohler last on, on Monday when we had our interviews and Hunter Wohler was made available to the media. I mean, he seems like a good kid. And I mean, overall, it seems like he's ready. He's ready to go out there, just enjoy the season, you know, and, um, play with the guys who he's now been able to, you know, have some, uh, rapport with. I, I like the safety room because I like the difference in the three players, the three key players at safety with Travion Blaylock in the mix as well. I like the difference because you've got Hunter Roller, a versatile chess piece that you can play in the dollar role. You can play as a linebacker. You can play on the back end, you know, depending on the different package you want to install. But then you've got a guy with good speed in Travion Blaylock. That's a guy who, who can man your back end. Injury has obviously been an issue, but Travion Blaylock's fully healthy. He's He's out there. The only, you know, the only uh, contingency there, he's a little smaller on the smaller side. He's around 5'11", around probably 5'11", 210. But you've got a guy there. And then Kamoi Latu, obviously, he's a guy who is a very solid, aggressive player. He will play aggressively, and that allows, you know, his teammates to sometimes clean uh, clean up his work. The main thing with the yeah. safety room is how well they can they tackle. Uh, safety's coach Colin Hitchler. One of the first things he said is that's that's going to be an area of improvement, you know, and so you're going to see how well can they tackle. That's that's a true question. We'll see. But in terms of just pure football talent, uh, this is one of the better safety rooms that I can remember. Uh, just and an, an upside. Uh, stepping back a little bit, though, I will I will say, and you, we've, we touched on this previously, this secondary in general from corner. This is as short as a Wisconsin secondary is going to be, man. Yeah. For a long, long, long time. And that's not, that's no, that's no, you know, rip on anyone who's not a 6'3 prototypical 6'3, 220 corner, you know, like a Snowden or something. But it's going to be, this is the last year where Wisconsin is going to be shorter than the receivers. 
think that's that's kind of where we are. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's a good sign, you know, because when you want to implement this press man system, you need good press man players, and it's sometimes harder, obviously, to win at the line of scrimmage or win with your hands and your length when you're not, you know, a prototypical six one, six two, six three guy as the press boundary guy here in this offense. But overall, I think the Badgers, you know it's going to be a collective effort defensively. It's not like necessarily, I think they'll rely on one specific group. You're going to need a solid pass rush to be able to hold up in the secondary, but the secondary guys also have to play well and in unison in order for that pass rush to work. It's got to be a symbiotic relationship this year, because I don't think that, you know, when you look at the pass rush, it's a little bit unproven. And then when you look at the secondary, you're hoping, you know, for a step up as well, although it is a pretty solid group. I think that you're going to have to work together a more collective effort this year in order to get this defense fully running. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But, uh, you know, that's what makes it so much fun. If you knew if you knew the final result before the season and how everything's going to gel offensively and defensively, it wouldn't be nearly as much fun. Um, of course, winning is fun. And having the units be incredibly successful and, and have a seamless transition to a new style is also fun. But uh, yeah, I, I think this defense is gonna is gonna have moments this year where we'll be real impressed with them. I think it's a good group of kids, and and it's only gonna get better. I agree. I uh, that is um, something we'll definitely look to see as this group kind of develops throughout the year. But week one is upon us. It's two days away. First game will be there. I will be there at the game. Hopefully, have a live for you guys after the game. But scary as always, the one and only. Thank you for joining the show and uh, giving us your thoughts on on this uh, team and on the season. Sure, I'm not even charging you, which is which is actually amazing. And I, I, by the way, I just noticed that this is this has been going live. Uh, so sorry for not re- retweeting retweeting that earlier. I didn't I didn't I uh, didn't see that. I, I my. Uh, Unpaid graduate assistant uh, Joe Ferguson was supposed to be on top of that, but by the way, Rowan, I know you're a 49ers guy and 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 uh, maybe a little less of a Dallas Cowboys fan after the trade this week. Um, but uh, what are, what are your thoughts on Jake Ferguson and uh, his his new starting role with the Dallas Cowboys? I like him. I like him as a player. I mean, when you if you're if you're only looking at traits, you're not going to be very you know very enamored by Jake Ferguson necessarily. But he's solid. He's solid in that he's reliable with his hand and then he's able to utilize utilize some of that speed into being a, a capable route runner and i mean we saw glimpses of that last year because dalton schultz was injured but i think he's going to be a solid solid player um and a guy who they hope can you know fill that schultz role when schultz was not injured yeah i think people saw he was a tight end out of wisconsin and and decided that he was not that athletic and didn't have some of that stuff and then you watch him play and he's hurtling guys and he's he's doing the blocking you need him to do, and he's making big catches and getting touchdowns, and that was just a that was just a, a tantalizing glimpse 2022 into what Jake has. So I'm, I'm I set I'm going to set this isn't a gambling show, but I'm going to set the over under on touchdowns for Jake at 7.5 this season wow. in that offense, taking over taking over that Dalton Schultz role, which really was Dalton Schultz was holding on to the Jake Ferguson role. That's how I prefer to look at it. But uh, anyway, I'm not a Cowboys fan and I'm not a Niners fan, so go Paco. And uh, thanks for having me on, Rowan. This should be a fun one. No, it definitely would. Everybody who's going to end up watching this, we really appreciate you helping continue to support the channel as we start this one up. Scary, as always, thank you. And we will catch you guys next time with another fun episode. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. 
But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.